0: Welcome to Housing Developments. I'm Jerry Howard. I'm Jim Tobin. Well, Jim, we're uh, inching ever closer to Christmas. I know from talking to your wife that uh, she's got all the coal that she needs to fill your stocking with. That's right. Uh, but, uh, what about our friends
1: up on Capitol Hill? Will they be getting coal or will they be getting any Christmas gifts? I am uh, I am getting increasingly uh, pessimistic about uh, any big presents under the tree this year from Congress. I, I just uh, if if you, if you notice the last couple of days, we were inching towards a bipartisan deal. Uh, you know, t- just about a, just a little less than a trillion dollars on on a COVID relief package. Uh, the White House stepped in and threatened to. Uh, they wanted to put much smaller uh, unemployment benefits in there and uh, and send checks to people again and, and threw a whole wrench in the works. Uh, so that's pushed things back a week. I, I think uh, at best we can just hope for the, the government to be funded through the holidays and and, and punt into uh, into the new year. Uh, there's still an outside chance we get a deal. We we are, we we are we are we are working hard to get a COVID deal. The, the bipartisan plan that was unveiled this week has all of NHB's COVID priorities into an enhanced PPP for our C sixes, uh, as well as forgiveness for our, our companies, state and local funding to uh, to make sure that state and local governments don't. Come after the housing sector to refill their 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 uh, depleted budgets, and then uh, you know a modest rental assistance program to help our multifamily members uh, continue to make the payments on 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 their properties and, and keep them up in into working shape. So uh, we're we're uh, we're pushing hard for a for a, for a COVID deal, but uh, big big egos are getting in the way, unfortunately. Well, and as bad as that is, I think the real uh, the real Grinches
0: are uh, Senator Shaheen and Senator Portman. I understand that they're uh, rattling uh, their cages again and trying to get that terrible Portman-Shaheen bill or Shaheen-Portman bill uh, passed before they leave. Are you going to be able to block
1: the chimney and keep them uh, up on the roof? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah I, we are, we are trying, uh, but I, I will, I'll tell you uh Senator Portman is uh, a formidable foe when it comes to opposing uh, uh, something that, that that he wants badly. Uh, they are trying to negotiate a small end of the year energy package that they can attach to whatever train is, is leaving the station, the polar express in this case. Uh, but um uh, he, you all to pick up on the theme, Jim, but good. We are we we feel good about where we are right now, uh, but the, we cannot stop and we won't stop until uh, this this session goes sine die, hopefully next Friday. Uh, but as it as it stands now, we are making headway, keeping this very controversial package, something that does not enjoy support in both the House Republican caucus and the House Republican caucus in the Senate uh this is a democratic priority with a handful of republican supporters uh and and we're uh, we're we're going to keep it out all right i'm glad, i'm glad to hear
0: that in the meantime uh president elect biden is uh starting to name his cabinet he named as uh, uh, secretary designate for hud uh, marsha fudge a congresswoman from ohio and um, you know a lot of people are up in arms uh congresswoman fudge has no housing experience um you know what i say to that um neither did secretary carson uh it's not so much the secretary of hud that matters it's an elected political official some with more housing experience than others um but in this instance congresswoman fudge has uh has been nominated uh tell me a little
1: bit about her yeah, she she comes from prime. She's from the the, the Cleveland uh, represents Cleveland in, in in the House of Representatives. She's been in office since 2008. Uh, she has been a reliable Democratic vote on party lines, uh, but she she comes to the office with, with a lot of accomplishments. Her, her background has been on the agricultural committee. She was uh, she was uh, strongly considered for the, the USDA post, uh, but ultimately was offered HUD. I, I think she's going to do a fine job, and like you said, uh, you point. To um, you, point to Ben Carson. I think we all kind of scratched our heads four years ago, and you know Dave Ledford's team, the officer team. uh, You, uh, we, we, we managed to have a a very strong relationship with someone who, again, was deemed as not having any housing experience in a very productive four years, and I expect that we'll have the same here with uh, with with uh, soon to be Secretary Fudge. But you know, Jerry, it it reminds me of you know when we saw Ben Carson, we, we, we at the time. Uh, it, it's always who gets filled in the under the under secretary under cabinet level positions. What, what's your thought on on FHA deputy, sec, deputy secretary? You know how important are those going to be if if the cabinet secretary is not a houser per se?
0: Oh, they're they're crucial, Jim. And, and I have to tell you, the one thing that gives me a little bit of pause for concern is you said it. uh Representative Fudge has been a reliable Democratic vote. Uh, she has been. Uh, more to the left side of the democratic spectrum uh, than, um, you know, the uh, Josh Gottheimer side and the problem solvers caucus. uh, And uh, that only... Um, it continues to keep the, the hair on the back of my neck up with respect to who's going to come in behind her. Now, there was concern that Diane Yentel of the Low Income Housing Coalition might be HUD secretary. Uh, and Diane Yentl is, is a true housing professional. She's very left wing. I wouldn't be surprised if she gets consideration for either FHA or the deputy uh, secretary slot. And those are the positions, just like with Secretary Carson, uh, those are the positions that really run it. I mean, um, with all due respect to the secretary, the day-to-day operation of HUD has been really in Brian Montgomery's lap uh, since Pam Patteno had left. Right. Um, and Pam was a housing professional as well. So I can I can tell you that I fully expect uh, the the deputy secretary and the FHA commissioner um, to be be named from a cadre of left-leaning Democratic housing professionals. And the real question, the real concern is how far left-leaning will they be? We're watching it very closely. We're trying to influence it. Um, But in the end, um, this will be a decision made by uh, President-elect Biden and Vice
1: President-elect Harris. Uh, I'm, I'm worried. Yeah yeah I yeah, I agree. I mean I, I we know this administration is to attack to the left and, and I know you know that, that with uh, with representative Fudge we're going to see you know more inclusion uh efforts more diversity efforts in housing you certainly a focus on on the, on on the on the low income side of things and not to be unexpected but you know we'll have our work cut out for us to make sure it's it's balanced housing policy. And when we, we got to
0: make sure that she understands the distinction between the tax paying community or what they call the for-profit community and the non-taxpaying community, uh, which is my uh, term of reference for the non-for-profits, they have to understand that the, the, the taxpaying community builds houses more efficiently, builds houses faster, and builds houses better. Uh, and we've got to ensure that that we still have a significant role for our members uh, as we move forward. There, that's right. You know, Jim, I, I, I just want your opinion on some things here. I had a a good conversation this morning with Rob Dietz uh, and Rob and I were sort of blue sky talking about future issues that are coming down the pike. Mm. And um, one thing that I'm real concerned about is energy efficiency, uh, climate change and its impact on housing um, that. Movement has been gaining momentum for quite some time. Uh, There's been sort of a uh, a counterbalance with the Trump administration in play, Um, but already secretary, uh, President-elect Biden has named uh, former Senator John Kerry as his climate change guru. When Kerry was in the Senate, when he's been was running for president. He was uh, uh, very far left on those issues. Um, What do you think? Where do you think this goes? What should we be doing now to prepare for an administration which is way, way farther left than even we are far right on, on climate change?
1: Yeah. And, and, and uh, you know, resiliency and building codes are going to be part of that effort as well. And, you know, whether it's in your riverine areas or your coastal regions, you know, how do how to homes and buildings survive, survive disasters, uh, wildlife, oh, sorry, wildfire, you know, tornadoes, uh, you name it. So uh, I think we have we have a lot to be worried about. As, as I mentioned on the Portman Shaheen piece, while this is largely a Democratic priority, there is building support in the Republican Party for doing something. Of course, they attack it from a completely different side. You have the the, the Democrats generally attack it from save the planet, climate change. We've got to make sure our structures can can withstand uh, these super storms or or changing climate. Republicans are on the other side of that uh, in that they want to protect taxpayers' dollars from bailing out Florida and North Carolina and South Carolina in in, in Tornado Alley and, and you know, California wildfire interface zones where where they're forced to come in and spend disaster monies on people that in their minds never should have lived there in the first place or should have much more insurance than 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 is required by uh, by the National Flood Insurance Program, for instance. So 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 two different sides to use your phrase over the many years, backing into each other to create this bipartisan issue um, about, about making sure that the built environment is, is, has higher codes, taller structures, stronger structures, all that impact housing affordability. And we've been very, very good and fortunate and, to make our case about housing affordability, but, but it's getting harder. It sure is. I had a conversation uh, before my conversation with
0: Rob yesterday with a friend of mine who has represented the insurance industry for many, many years. And he basically told me, um, this isn't about whether you build or not. It's just about where you'll build. You'll be building in different places. And I said, you know, what happened to housing choice and living where you wanted to live? And he said, well, unfortunately, it's becoming financially untenable. And I said to him,
1: hill, hill, you will be visited by three Christmas spirits, my friend. <laughs> well, yeah, and, and, and that's, that's the problem. There's this notion of, oh, you'll just build in a different place. Uh, you know, last time I checked, uh, when, uh, when Sir Walter Raleigh and the gang decided to come over from England, or the first place they landed Ashore was the first place they built their first log cabin. And America has grown up around that. Centers of commerce have driven the development westward of this country. And you're not going to just close down New Orleans or you're not going to just... Uh, Close down uh, any place on the Mississippi River or the Missouri River or or, or Long Beach in, in California. The, uh, the great American e- economy runs on water for for a vast majority of its trade, and and the idea that we're just going to pick up and move uh, economic centers away from these areas, I think, is is naive.
0: Well and, and you know, my, my daughter and I my daughter overheard this conversation and she said to me after I, I hung up from talking to my friend, she said, besides that, if if we move all the Americans away from the water, it won't matter. Everyone else in the world lives on the water. Yeah, I yeah, know this is until until, until China and everybody else complies with some of these agreements that the left wing of the Democratic Party wants us to be bound by. Uh, I'm not sure it's going to do a darn bit of good to accomplish their goals. And all it's going to do is make housing more unaffordable uh, and create more of a rift in in the American um, political class.
1: Well, and I, and I know our, our, the NHB task force on, on codes and, and affordability, they're, they're looking uh, very hard. And I think we'll see this uh, delivery at the, uh, the, the we'll call it the IBS board meeting of, of a report, but they are, they are engaged Rob shop, uh, Rob Dietz shop in particular about, about finding a measure for housing affordability so that when we do fight back on some of these more egregious codes uh, requirements that, that we've got a good, a, a good ground to stand on and what, 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 Modicum of protection can we offer our customers, but at a good cost, and that's really what this comes down to. And that's exactly as an industry, we're gonna have to, we're gonna have to, we're gonna have to tackle this as, as an industry, uh, and, and and find out where the sweet spot is uh, pretty soon because it's coming. And I'll tell you what else is important is if we can get
0: our members of Congress to come to the middle let's stop this polarization of our policymakers and our lawmakers and bring guys in that want to compromise, that know what the founding fathers meant when they talked about working together uh, and get things done. And and to that end, I'm really happy that uh, uh, you have reached out to our good friends, Democratic Congressman uh, Josh Gottheimer, Republican Congressman Tom Reed from New York, the co-chairs of the Problem Solvers Caucus,
1: And, and, and tell tell the listeners what we can expect. Yeah, we we're we're we we're, we're working with them to schedule a guest appearance on uh, on our, our next podcast with with them, especially at the end of this Congress. We're with talking not only about they, they are driving this COVID deal I talked about at the end of the year here, uh, but they are going to be there's a 50 uh, member split evenly between Republicans and Democrats in the problem solvers. And, and Nancy Pelosi stands to have only a six seat majority in the House of Representatives next year. Oh, and by the way, uh, two of those members, Marsha Fudge being one, are leaving for the administration. Now, do I think that her seat risks flipping to the Republican side? No. But until a special election is called, they're going to have a four-seat majority, potentially, in the House of Representatives. So people like Josh Gottheimer and Tom Reed and, and their, their uh, problem solvers caucus are going to be critical to moving any piece of le- any piece of legislation.
0: Well, not not to, to, to wax sentimental, but, you know, when I started my career and when you started yours, that's the way we got things done. Yeah. We went to conservative uh, Democrats and liberal Republicans on housing issues and vice versa on some of the other issues. And we forged coalitions in the middle that represented the bulk of the American people. So uh, I'm looking forward to talking to uh, Congressman Gottheimer and Congressman Reed. It, it, it'll be
1: very informative. Yeah, agreed. It should be good.
0: Well, and uh, you know, just uh Ebenezer to 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 give one real holiday treat, I've been having an interesting talks um recently with economists and market analysts. And 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 something that I hadn't considered, and shame on me for not thinking of this, uh has it, been brought to my attention and it's I'm really keen on this notion. And that is to say in nineteen eighteen and nineteen nineteen. Uh, when the Spanish flu hit and there was a global pandemic. The whole world economy shut down. Uh, People could not interact the way they had been. It was almost identical to what's happened here in this pandemic. Now, after the Spanish flu pandemic, one of the biggest innovations were in home appliances and the washing machine came out uh, and uh, enhanced plumbing and electricity. Basically, it freed up time And what resulted from that in society around the world was known as the Roaring 20s, where everybody wanted to be together, everybody wanted to have a little bit of fun, and the world got back to sort of normal on steroids. So now you go flash forward to our pandemic, and you've got the world shut down, nobody's having fun, nobody can interact. When it's over, the the innovation will be the ability to work remotely is giving everybody much more time. And because you don't have to commute, you don't have to spend as much on dry cleaning and business attire, much more money. I'm predicting that when this is over sometime toward the middle of next year, I predict we're gonna start a new Roaring Twenties and the 2022 IBS is gonna be one of the kickoff events for that everybody's going to want to get together. We're going to want to get together. We're going to pull off this 21 virtual IBS X. Everybody please register for it. But 2022 IBS is going to be the start of the new roaring 20s. And we'll have a great time. Think about that as you're signing up to uh, subscribe to the podcast. And we'll talk to you next week in the interim. I'm Paul Newman. And I'm Robert Redford. Thanks for listening. Thanks.